Okay, so like we only took an episode away from Avatar, but doesn't it just feel like you're coming home? It does. <laughs> no, yeah. wow. It's. I think it has a lot to do with this episode. With too, this though. episode too. Oh man. It's like this is. A, it's like a feeling. Oh man, I've been wanting to know what's been happening, and then we just watched Halloween Town. Right. And now we kind of yeah. get to know. You know, yep. it's like I forgot that I wanted to know. And now that I remember, I really want to know. That's the yeah. feeling I got when the title of the episode showed. Oh up. man, yep. Um, uh, before we get there, though, right? What have you been? Uh, what have you been enjoying with your eyes and ears as Ooh, of late? I like the way you put that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, I've, I, I have like a list of things I could talk about. Um, I think there's two things I want to. Firstly, uh, we've been watching, rewatching Key and Peel. Which, just like, is that a show? Okay. I don't actually don't know. Is that a show that sketches are from? Or I only know yes. the sketches. Like, exactly. I look up you on YouTube the sketches, and that's Here's how the I know. Thing, though, like, I'm watching through this show, and I'm pretty sure I've never actively like gone to streaming or like gotten you know any sort of access to watch each episode straight through all the way. But I've seen. All of it. <laughs> like, I every time a sketch starts, I'm like, oh, this one. It's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> like, every <laughs> single time for, like, two seasons now. It's it's kind of weird. It's just, like, a ubiquitous show. It's everywhere. Um, well, then that, that also just proves that they, did, they never missed. Because if yep. you, having not seeked out the show, already know all of these sketches... I mean, you can't say the same for someone going into the office that they're going to know every inside bit. Right. Like, yeah, that's what she said will suddenly make sense to them or whatever. <laughs> right. But there are going to be some bits in it that only a person who loves the office will get. Right. And it sounds like you're experiencing like, yeah. oh, shit, I already love yeah. all this stuff. <laughs> yeah. I don't I will say. Is there though, anything in it that like is the connective tissue all new for you? Because that's like the stuff that's probably not on like the YouTube sketches, or is it literally just sketch after sketch after sketch? Uh, th th there's the connective tissue between each sketch, each sketch, but um, those do feel slightly less familiar to me. So I do think that it's largely like I've gone on Key and Peel YouTube binges, you know, where I just watch a bunch of their sketches. Yeah. That they've I think they've put pretty much all of them on YouTube and they all and have like randomly views. They'll put them on there again. Have you noticed that? Like yeah. you'll see <laughs> yes. a key and peel sketch and it's like, like oh, two a weeks new one. ago. Like, and oh. you'll click it and it's like, no it's way. Like, I think I've ass. seen this one before, like... but I'm still really happy that I'm watching it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I will say it's interesting. This show the the show ran from uh like 2012 to 2015 or something like that maybe even earlier i think i i don't know but it's fairly recent there's some stuff in it that's still like oh yikes like really? already kind of dated they use the the r word <laughs> i think is like how people are referring to that word improper word that everybody used to mean stupid for a long time they use that word a couple times which took me by surprise this one really made me go, oh, I mean, they both play people of many ethnicities, which feels fine, I think. But they had like, they had Dean Norris from Breaking Bad come on to play a Mexican cartel drug boss. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it Wasn't opened Breaking up. Breaking Bad like happening at that time yes. too. So, so that's like So why? it's like a nod to it, but like 
that's even right. But in Breaking Bad, in the show, that kind of thing would be so fucked up. Like his character mm-hmm. being uh what what you would call like passively racist like not right. realizing he's a racist thinking yeah. he's like a good guy but making mm-hmm. uh racial slurs and like oh my god you know his partner is uh hispanic but he's constantly referring to other hispanic people in like yep. really fucked up ways yep the show is aware of that right interesting that dean norris isn't yeah or i yeah i don't know like or i saw him least... with the the thing is he came on screen and he had a big black mustache and i was like oh interesting and then i started going mm, wait and then he spoke and had like a spanish accent and i was like oh no anyway the other thing i saw which i wanted to touch on briefly fits with the spooky season we've been talking about Ooh, good transition to what i'll talk about too Ooh, go perfect. for it have you seen Guillermo del Toro's Crimson Peak? I haven't. It's like the only Guillermo del Toro I haven't seen, actually. I've seen, I think, every other one of his films. And uh, your roommate and our mutual friend and our DM on Legendary 4 Adventures, Space, Space Vampires. Ooh, thank you, Calvin. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, is, um, that's a movie he has recommended to me. So it's one that I know I would like. Because the reason he recommended like it, it was its production. Like, it's oh, got yes. some great set design, some great creature design. And yeah. and it's not just horror. It's gothic, yes. romantic well, horror. The thing is, yeah, it's, it's a weird middle ground. I don't know that it actually ticked my personal boxes. I, mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed it. You know, like, I would watch it again. But it's not like I'm seeking out to watch it again, or I'm like, oh, you have to see this. It's It wasn't very well received because, and uh, Eva phrased this to me afterwards, and it sort of all clicked into place. It's not really a horror movie, but it's not really a romance movie. It's both of those things, but neither of them, and very, very stylized. I do think you'd like it. Something I should watch, but yeah, something that... Give it a grain of salt, maybe. There's not enough horror to make it satisfying for a horror fan, but there's enough like weird, really messed up imagery that people who are going into it for like a gothic romance are like, "What the hell?" You know? Totally. Yeah. So, anyway. Okay, I'm I'm into that. That sounds like something I'd be into, even if I wouldn't like. Yeah. Love it. You know. Please check it out. I, I'd I'd be curious to hear your thoughts. What's I a... love Guillermo del Toro. What are you uh, watching, though? The thing I wanted to talk about is the remake of the movie The Witches. Oh, which yeah, yeah, yeah. Could have been a good uh, new lens. Maybe it will be one of those of uh, sometimes I think we have talked about doing one where one of us doesn't know it and we'll bring a guest on who does, and yeah. that can be the dynamic. Yep. Um, basically, this is The Witches was one that I grew up watching not like all the time but when i rewatched it recently it's on netflix the old one mm-hmm. it like brought back some shit you know i was like yeah. oh wow and uh <laughs> it's good it's like a classic at least while i was watching it nostalgia took over for sure but mm. there's like a lot of great uh practical effects and like cool like storytelling that makes for this like eerie scary kids movie which is like not often a thing 
well, this remake directed by Robert Zemeckis, who both of us, I think, like yeah. a lot. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of favorites on our list that are Robert Zemeckis movies. Back to the Future, Cast Away. Yeah. Oh, uh, man. That's one of my favorites, the, Cast Away. That might be one we talk about. <laughs> but uh, this was like how I would describe it. And I don't want this to be a bash on this movie because I actually really like this movie. But it's a lot like the new, the Tim Burton, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Okay. Okay. So I okay. think Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is an excellent movie. I love it. It's like a childhood favorite of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gene Wilder gives one of, I mean, oh, I mean he's just one of the best and the he's in the movie. So Yeah, I mean, yeah. And it is maybe the I mean that's so hard to say with him though oh, when you look at his career but it is one of them for sure. Yeah. Exactly, yeah, that's yeah. the thing that comes to my mind. But I him like doing the somersault in the beginning of his appearance, and oh then you God. just know like oh this is about to be oh wow one of those <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, it's got amazing practical effects for its time. The Oompa Loompa stuff is awesome, and it's just great. Mm-hmm. And then Tim Burton did a Tim Burton version of it, mm-hmm. and was more true to the source material, but. Right. In my opinion, just turn the knob a little too high on fan service. In his way, yeah. it was being that Johnny Depp played Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah. That was the fan service. Like, let's make the Johnny Tim Depp Burton really weird. Service. People yeah. love that. Right. In this movie, the fan service was, let's just make this accessible for kids. Hmm. Like, easy to watch. Yeah. So, like, the original movie is a lot like, it's a lot like a lot of movies from that era where is scary you know what i mean like a little kid watching it probably closed their eyes for some scenes yeah this new one doesn't really have that it it has some scary stuff but because it's all like cgi and over the top and anne hathaway (laughs) it just takes you know what i mean it's like anne hathaway has this like crazy accent that i don't even know what it was it's like russian or something i don't want to (laughs) be You know, may, I might just yeah. have a bad ear for it, yeah, but it, to me, I'm pretty sure it was just, ugh, yikes. Yeah. But uh, that, her accent kind of describes the problems with the movie. Mm. Zemeckis's direction almost makes it like a fun movie to watch. Mm. I didn't turn it off. I finished it. And when I walked away from it, I forgot about it pretty quick. <laughs> okay. But yeah. a lot of stuff in it, like due to the direction was fun. But if you're going to watch The Witches... definitely watch the original yeah Yeah. good to know sorry zemeckis (laughs) but uh maybe we should talk about some stuff we've been missing what have we been missing lately i think we've all been missing appa oh let's get into it (laughs) you're listening to a new lens it's a podcast gary and i started to talk about uh film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers and people who have voted. Uh, <laughs> um, and I hope I hope you uh, can consider yourself one of those as well, or at least do that in the next couple days. Anyway, sorry, topical. Uh, we've gotten to Avatar The Last Airbender, Season 2, Episode 16, Appa's Lost Days. So just the title of this episode is... Uh what i would call like wish fulfillment yeah like you know what i mean by that as soon as the title comes up i'm like oh thank god can you imagine I needed to know i don't specifically remember but can you imagine watching this as the show was coming out and no. like just randomly you're like okay we've got a new episode what's it what's it gonna be called what do we got 
Appa's Lost Days. <gasps> yeah, I'm pretty sure I don't remember it because of me being just purely so emotional about it. My yeah. brain has, like, suppressed the memory. <laughs> oh, this man. is a emotional roller coaster, and it's all handled really well. Yeah, and ties felt, a lot of elements like of the show It feels like two episodes almost, yeah. you know? Oh, absolutely. It's a lot. Uh, yeah, yeah. We have a lot to talk about. So, real simple. This is the episode where we find out what Appa went through during this time that we've been missing him. It starts... I don't want to go into too many details, I think. Yeah, but it basically we'll starts off with the scene of Toph fighting off these sandbenders unsuccessfully and them taking Appa. And we go through that journey of what they talked about having tried to sell him to someone who's going to bring him to Ba Sing Se... Where that might end up actually being, we find him in some different places than we thought he might have been. Yeah, he goes through a lot of bullshit, and it's really hard to watch. Yeah, and then he has some moments of not bullshit that are really great. Yeah, and the episode kind of ends where it starts with us being like, "Well, shit." Mm-hmm. And I think that's pretty much a good recap of this episode. Yeah, it's so I simple, mean, absolutely, and it's from the point of view and entirely about. A character who doesn't talk. Yeah, and so much of the so much of this episode does not have dialogue. I mean, there there is for stretches of it, but so much of it is told so well through sound design and visual storytelling. It's just it just proves what you already knew about the show that they are so skilled at accomplishing that. And this episode couldn't have happened earlier. This world Mm -mm. needed to have been built to this point for all of those moments to not need to be spoken on, you know? Yep. It's it's really, really smart show writing to put this episode where it's at, but not too late either. Yeah. We needed this. Like, our, our, like, my bottle of I need some Appa is full. (laughs) (laughs) If if I have one more episode without him... I might stop watching the show. You know what I mean by <laughs> right. that? Like, yeah. I do want to point out this episode actually won an award. Uh, when you hear from who, it makes a lot of sense. Um, they won the 2007 Genesis Award from the Humane Society of the United States for um, wow. outstanding children's programming and outlining the ways that animals can be treated in zoos and circuses and in many different ways that are inhumane and you know planting seeds of empathy for animals within the children pop child population i don't think it's a coincidence that both you and i are huge animal people oh yeah uh more than many of the people we we associate ourselves with but even those people are too Mm -hmm. like I think uh, this episode, but not just this it's episode, why. shows this like episode this. episode is the reason. This episode is why I like dogs. <laughs> but like the whole time I was watching this episode, I was thinking about my dog, yeah. you know, and yeah. and thinking about zoos. And it right. definitely had that effect on me as a kid, but in a subtler way. It planted that seed. It successfully did what you just described. And it doesn't do it in a way that's like traumatizing like like i don't know i watched um you know like i feel like if you watch okja have you seen that movie yeah. okja Ooh. if you were to watch that as like a 7 or 8 year old oh. it would traumatize you yeah it would still be good and i might be like 
depending on the eight year old, I could maybe, but uh, I don't know. No. You know, <laughs> no. this is, yeah, no. Yeah. Like 15 years old at the, at the least for that one. Yeah. Maybe. But like this one is like, this can show you things and you can think about things without it being like a bad thing. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it does a great job of, of showing every, every spectrum of like how you can treat an animal. Right. Also, this is something that uh, we're going to touch on repeatedly when we finally get into the details because I have so many to talk about. But um, Appa is a large animal. Like, he's a very large creature. So it gives a lot of credibility to him being able to do a lot of fairly intelligent things that take, you know, some complicated reasoning. But it doesn't feel out of the realm of what an animal could do. Like, he has personality and intelligence that are fitting for what he is that also lend themselves to what animals are in the real world are capable dogs and and uh you know dogs we're dog people in this podcast yeah we're dog people <laughs> i like cats too i like i, I think about grown, bears even too up. when i watch this episode yeah though. sure yeah. appa reminds me of a big old bear big sometimes. old bear with human teeth is a little, a little <laughs> yeah. Bit, he has um, very human teeth. All right, we should uh, we should get into it. This first shot, we immediately recognize the sands of the desert, and it says four weeks ago. Oh, which is clarifying. Like it's been four weeks. It's been. Uh, and uh, we we see this uh, we see this scene that we recognize, and I think most of this is exactly the scene we saw before, but. Uh, there's some extra details in here because now we're seeing it from Appa's angle. It's not just like yeah. The and I wonder if they had cut some of this and just let this now play through the full sequence, or if they added stuff. I you think know? that's part of it because I saw one of the facts on the wiki that we is one of the resources we check for information on the episodes. It said that he, the guy who shouts, um, put a muzzle on it does not actually say that in the first episode or or in the library, the ending of which this scene first happened. So when Toph says that, we go, oh, yeah, we just believe her. Put a muzzle on him. Yeah, it's but it shows up in this episode. So I I do think this was sort of the full length of the scene that they are now showing us the entirety of because there wasn't time for it in the previous episode, which also, you know, makes you think about editing and how much gets on the cutting room floor that might add more, but how expertly done the editing is because you never yeah, feel like I you're always, missing anything. You know, I always think about that with uh, Lord of the Rings, the extended mm-hmm. editions versus theatrical. So I recently re- rewatched one of them theatrically, like the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. And I thought to myself, like, wait, how do they know about that? They didn't even mention it. Right. And then there's a small line, like Sam says something like, oh, glad we didn't do that, Mr. Frodo. And I realized, <laughs> like, because of that one line, mm-hmm. they realized we can cut that whole scene. That right. gives us 20 minutes of movie that we don't need. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. And I honestly think that that's what this is. Her saying it and, the you know, as an audience... We believe it. Yeah, we right. Almost remember it. You don't you know even, what I mean? Yeah, you don't even go. You almost wait, go. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah, didn't he? right. So yeah. like, I think on during the cutting process, they were like, we really just need like uh, like twenty seconds cut out. Yeah. They're like, we'll try this, and mm-hmm. does it still work? Yep. Yep. And then it also 
works great in this episode because there are multiple things throughout the episode that are callbacks mm-hmm. to like, wait, so how's that a thing? Now we get more information. Now we right. know why it's a thing, you know? And with these extra scenes in this first uh, moment specifically, I didn't, I don't think we properly touched on last time how much of a fucking fight Appa puts up, man. He oh, he's is not force. going down easy. He rips these things out of their hands he i'm genuinely surprised that he doesn't get away like it feels like just the worst circumstances oh but they but they do it perfectly because he is basically about to get away and then it's just the one it's just the one rope around his foot that does it it's for some reason just with the things that are still on him he would have been able to struggle through but that one extra point of of contact of tension is what did it. And it's so well done because it's very specifically shown and emphasized the wrap around his foot. It's kind of like when uh, in episode 18 of season one, they're on their way to the water tribe Mm -hmm. and that one piece of ice grabs his foot and it spins them out of Mm -hmm. control and they go flying. Like it gives you an idea that he is like a flying creature, but he isn't just like, this thing that can just move wherever he wants. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. you know, he needs, like, stability. He needs balance. Yeah. It's all part of it. Right. I love the the turning of... Because we recognize this scene. We've seen most of it before. And we're like, oh, okay. And then the way they transition to, no, this is Appa's story. Is we get that moment of Toph holding up the building and saying, I'm sorry, Appa. And then it pans away from her. This is a fantastic like example of film language. Panning away from her eye and panning into Appa's eye, which closes as he's being dragged away. Showing we are now following him. In this story that we know but haven't seen the full, uh, you know, all sides of. They they have them all wrapped up. They're bringing him to some vendors, but they, they're not quite there yet. And Appa has this moment. They, they try and go up, you know, and steal all this shit from on top of him. And first he growls. And then they, in the process of getting on top of him, blow up a bunch of sand. And he sneezes. And he airbend sneezes because Appa is an airbender. He bends air, not just like for himself. He's able to do that. Um, And he sneezes and airbends this sand slider, the sand sailor, I think they, they actually say out loud, into the dune, which we can mentally connect is the sand slider that they find later to be able to get out of the desert. And in the episode where they mention it, where the sandbenders mention it, I always thought, or not always, but when you're watching it, you think, okay, what's that from? Because the guy even says, like, that's from the Hami tribe. They must have stolen it. Right. And in my head, I'm thinking, what? Okay, so is the Hami tribe like a different tribe? Why is that? But now this mm-hmm. guy goes, don't worry, that's the one we stole from the Hami tribe. Yeah. It like uh-huh. adds this whole layer. Like he tried to blame them. To like get out of that, sense you know. Why he is so quick to try and blame them for, you know, frame them for stealing it. I also like to think, and maybe this is just like overanalyzing it, but maybe the Hami tribe are those guys who don't talk, and they're just like, Ugh, yeah, sure, spit, you know, yeah. like maybe that's a whole different like. Mm-hmm type of because like it seems like all of these guys are just like guys you know what i mean like well (laughs) guys you know what i mean but those sandbenders in the original who uh zay was like shoo sandbenders shoo right they seem to be like more just like 
I don't know the word for it, but less interested in communicating and more interested in just like getting things done that they need to get done. Yeah, you know? right. And maybe that's the Hami tribe. I don't know. I find it interesting. Just a quick detail I want to touch on and keep in mind as we continue to watch. They take out a bunch of stuff from Appa's saddle, you know, the gang stuff. And the one main item that we recognize is so uh is Sokka's club with like the blue yeah. ball on it and he yeah, kicks it aside and leaves it in the desert so i'm curious so they've Sokka done, doesn't have that they've anymore done pretty now, right? good with with object continuity so i'm pretty sure he just doesn't have that anymore but and if you think about it in the last few episodes we've seen Sokka use weapons he's only used his boomerang yep. and that dope whalebone sword yep yep you know and I've wondered, wait, doesn't he have that other, like, what, did they just change it or what? And this kind of helps me kind of understand that there are two separate things and it's not just two different ways to draw the same thing. Right. I think that was in my head for a couple episodes. I wondered, like, yeah, wait, sure. is this the same weapon and it just has whale teeth on it now? <laughs> yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, I yeah, no, we should keep an eye out for that and see if he even notices or totally. if it's just like a thing now. And Yeah. Um. And other things that are in this saddle, like the umbrella and like, right. we we see a couple things and they were things they had. And it's like, well, you wouldn't just throw that away, you know, mm -hmm. but they're in their saddle. Yep. I don't know. I think that's cool. Then they say we got to go meet <laughs> the beetle headed merchants. Yes. I, you... That's all I wrote down is just beetle headed merchants <laughs> it because sounds it's like so a funny. Or like, you know. And then they're wearing ones. hats that look <laughs> like beetles. Yeah. They're beetle headed. And they, they're like. Their steed that's guiding their, you know, is stuff. Just it's just a, a giant beetle. beetle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love I, it. It's so funny. It, it's something out of Mad Max, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love this linking moment where Aang is flying. Uh, search. We cut over to Aang flying through the desert searching for Appa. And he blows the whistle as he's flying on his glider. And he, Appa hears it. He uh, and we hear how Appa hears it too. This yep. like high pitched. I, I'm sure there are people that watch the episode and don't hear it. It's literally so high pitched that I'm surprised they even use it. Because in a lot of like right. movies and TV, there's a certain ring. You know sure. the ringing in someone's ears. Yeah, it's yep. not actually what the ringing in your ears it's, frequency it's a is lower, because yeah. a lot of people can't hear that frequency. Mm -hmm. But in this, they go for it. It's like holy shit, I can barely hear that. Right. You know? Yeah. And it gives Appa a second win, man. He is tied pun up. Pun intended. And <laughs> pun. I guess it wasn't tech. It wasn't first intended, but but uh, now that you point that out, um, but he's you know strapped into this like metal or this wooden frame that they're they have to take him away, and he just like starts shaking to get it a bit looser, and then slaps his tail and starts to fly away. Um, the only way that they control him, and I love this detail too, there's so many little things that link back to other moments I in know, the show. Dude. This moment made me grin. I was just like, oh, oh that's so cool. Get the sheer shoe spit darts. And the sheer shoe, of the, course. the big animal that, that paralyzes people from the first season. Because in the real world, the spit darts that, you know, like someone would use would be like poison tree frog spit darts right. or something you yep. know what i mean yep like this feels like of course they would do that why would there be a sheer shoe that has that ability and that ability not be utilized elsewhere yep it just makes sense appa gets brought back down to the ground um and we have the quick cut to ang getting so frustrated that he slams down the giant dust cloud 
and that is the last thing Appa sees before he fades to unconsciousness from this uh, sheer shoe dart. And he awakes in a cage. Oh, it's so heartbreaking. Um, in the moment right before he like falls asleep, they're saying, we'll sell him for parts. Right. So in this moment when he wakes up, you're wondering, okay, like, is he at a, like a butcher or like, oh. you know, some kind of, where is he? And then I honestly think like thinking that makes this so much more heartbreaking because you realize for a second you're like, oh, it's okay. This guy almost seems all right for a second because he says like, he says like, don't worry, you know, you're going to yeah, be all right. Yeah, he says something like you, you I'm clearly going have to been... break you. It's like, yeah, oh. and then we get a zoom in on the guy and realize what's going on. Yeah. Oh, from the moment he says that, my stomach drops oh, and God, it's just yeah. a pit for this whole oh, circus it's so sequence. so hard to watch, honestly, at parts. Um, I, I do want to shout out that voice actor. His name is Dwight Schultz. Um, people who are fans of the A-Team will recognize him as Murdoch. Wow. I am not a fan of the A-Team, but I'm sure at least a couple people just went, oh, whoa. <laughs> um, <laughs> we, we zoom out and sort of see more of the animals around uh, this sort of containment area. There's a platypus bear that we recognize. There's a vulture lion, which is pretty dope, but very sad because he makes an example of him. Uh, or, you know, an example of it, this animal, and uh, shows how he's going to make Appa obedient, how you're, this is what you're going to do to be able to get food. Um, you know, he has the cart of cabbages, which, wonder where he got those. Um, and, uh, <laughs> although it's fire We don't even need so... the guy to say something for me to giggle at cabbages now. Yeah, That's how brilliant right. that joke has been set up, totally, you know? Totally, totally. Um, but he withholds cabbages from Appa, but while he's making an example of this vulture lion, like making it jump through hoops and stuff, Appa is airbending again and just just sucking him, <laughs> sucking it's, him over to him. It's something that takes skill bouncing between the like really dark harshness of this episode yeah. and the comedic like beauty of Appa's spirit. Right. You know, we need to be reminded that this is like a peaceful and beautiful and funny creature yeah. being treated like this. Right. So it's a mixture of like comic relief, but it's also even more tragic because he's just trying to get some food and it's funny and cute. And then this guy just gets so pissed off at him yeah. and literally lights a fire right, right in front of him, him right yeah. there. Oof. And you you kind of understand now, like I at least I didn't understand this as a kid. But he is burning him. Yeah. He's not just lighting oh, it yeah. to scare him. This is this is pain. Like yes, he, is he is causing pain. It is pain, now too you know? hot in his cage, if not actively singeing, you know, his fur and maybe burning his skin. And oh, that shot where it zooms into Appa's face and he's just angry. You see the hatred in this animal's face for how he's being treated. But there's not a and whole lot he can do about it at the time. And we haven't seen that face. This is no. kind of like Ang's moment in yeah, Ang's anger right. and Ang's fury or whatever right. that episode has changed to. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, totally. We we do cut away from that sort of tense moment to Appa alone in his cage before a uh, before any presentation or anything. And this kid wanders by with his father and sees him trying to suck hay over to himself to be able to eat. Um, 
and this dad i another just little thing this doesn't link to anything it just makes me giggle the dad's like you stay here i'm gonna go get some sizzle crisps <laughs> it's like what do firebenders eat sizzle they've had crisps. fire flakes and yep. sizzle crisps that's what we've had so far yeah uh, just kind of. uh, and also this dad just gives off the vibe of like, I don't know. There's something about the way this dad treats his son that feels very, yeah, this is the problem with the fire nation's ideologies. Yeah. Do you know what I mean yeah, by that? Totally. Totally. It It's like kind of how, I mean, now that we, you know, we've seen more and more of Zuko's, uh, past, we, we have an understanding of like. Zuko's family life being fucked up in that way Mm -hmm. but now we kind of get the idea that that is probably like cultural to the fire nation having like this patriarchal uh family situation this dude is he's basically like just an asshole to his son you know what i mean yeah and it's not even like i don't know it's a culture i might be going too far i might be digging too deep (laughs) but i get what you mean You, you you can sort of you could extrapolate further um I think we could dig that one for a good minute, but um, I do want to get to shouting out another actor. The circus master comes in. Um, <laughs> I love this extravagant. He he like waves his arms like you yeah. have to get him out here by yes. tonight. Like I don't know. It's, Too it's risky. Really well done. This is a place of danger. <laughs> yes, he will yes. perform <laughs> tonight. That voice actor. Uh, the character is Shuzumu the circus master, he has appeared before. He uh, is played by Robin Atkin Downs, and this is the character who was running the circus that Ty Lee worked at when Azula came to recruit her. And you remember when Azula's like, he, he's like, what? is there anything else I can do to like make this better for you? And she's like, is it the like same the character? Fire. It's the same character and the same voice actor. Yes. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. There's so many, as I'm looking into this, there's so many more of those than I thought. You know, they, they actually do yeah. bring back those, those little characters. And remember, like if there's a circus scenario, like we have a character that already has appeared, let's bring him back. I just think that's so cool. Um, but after that little interaction, this kid comes in and we hear the kid speak and clearly there's similarities to Aang. And I don't even know if we've said his voice on this show, man. This kid, I think it doesn't say explicitly, but the voice of Aang has additional voices credited on this episode and this has to be it. And that guy is named Zach Tyler Eisen. And he deserves so much praise for voicing Aang because he does an amazing job. And also, he does an amazing job here making a different enough character where we don't, we're not like, that's Aang's voice. But it is like, that's reminiscent of Aang, you know? It feels like this could be Appa's interpretation of this kid's voice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like hit like what he's hearing, yeah. And it, it makes sense that it's so much. It's so similar and like the laugh and the. They See you even, later, buddy. Yeah, like they the way they uh, there's like a moment where they show him smiling and cut to Ang smiling, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah. they even like draw him in a similar. Yep. He's different enough to be a different character though, which mm-hmm. is so cool. Like I don't know, it's done perfectly in my opinion. Yeah. 
<laughs> we we cut to the the actual like circus performance then, <laughs> and this fucking dad won't share his sizzle crisps with his kid. What? Yeah, he's a fuck. <laughs> fuck that. Share your sizzle crisps at least. Oh man! And then they announce Appa. They call him a wind buffalo. Just like that's not right. <laughs> that's how I felt oh, also, listening. I was just like, yeah, that's not right. You know what else I like about this dad that I like about the show in general? Yeah. I like how everybody on this show is buff, even <laughs> when they're like overweight yeah. or even when they're skinny or whatever. Like sure. everyone on this show definitely trains the fuck out of like yeah. two hours a day. Like this dad's probably a great firebender, even though he's still got a total dad bod. Well, you know also, what I mean by that? Yeah. I mean, also we're in a world that doesn't have as much automated you know technology and stuff so you have to work harder true. In, in order to accomplish simple tasks so i don't know I don't, Very my true. head canon but uh, i i do like that as well they they make up a perform he in this poor out outfit this poor bastard outfit he does look really like it's a mix of like this is a humorous moment on the show and mm-hmm. this is probably a nod to some really cool like actual sure. yeah like art right. you know what i mean because yeah. i actually like the things he's wearing even though it's not something he wants to wear do you know what i mean by that i, I like it's it like, generally there's certain like over colorful like makeup and accents to the yeah. costume that make it look ridiculous it, it feels like a tacky version of something that's yeah. supposed to be traditional yes totally but threatened with fire he does end up doing the even though the kid is urging him to like just get out of there he does and we even see the kid disappointed when he does do yeah. the stuff yep he goes Breaks through my heart. the fire hoops which he's already afraid of he's being threatened with fire but commanded to like go through more fire it's clearly just like traumatizing for him and he does this pose which just makes me feel so sad you know that when he like lands with one foot yeah, and like no. holds up his I other uh, it makes me so sad. And that's the shit that people do in circus things like this. I get why this episode They're, won an award. That pose is directly, I'm pretty sure, a direct um, nod to what circus performers have taught elephants to do. Yeah. There are elephants yes. that can stand on one leg. Yeah, I'm pretty sure an elephant is not supposed to stand on one leg. Oh, man. It gets too far when he gets caught on one of the hoops because he's not trained. He doesn't know how to do this at all. It's his first day, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and he's huge, and these yeah. hoops are like the same size as him. And messing and up he's means fur, he gets burnt. And his outfit is all flammable. Yeah! <laughs> oh, God. I love, though, that he knocks down, he, like, goes he to the next one and whips, <laughs> whips the hoop down and just knocks that dude out. He knocks one dude out, and then when he lands, he hits him with his tail and fly, the dude goes flying yeah. out the fucking yeah. roof of the place. It's so satisfying. And then, and then the, the audience is, like, kind of surprised, angry, scared. They don't know what's going on, and the kid is just like, go. You can do it. And he does. He just ah, flies away. And that's our roller coaster going up in the episode now. Yep. You know, it's yep. such a roller coaster because oh, then man. he tries to go back to oh. the spot that oh. he lost them, and that is just he knows in my exactly head. Where I'm to thinking, go too. You oh, know, they didn't even desert. think to go back. 
They did, you know. Yeah. Why would they? But why, why would yeah, they go back? Why would they? In the but middle of, course, of a desert, they don't have the materials to like survive. But but uh, of course, that's where he would check, right? Like to see, and then he also even thinks that there's the possibility that they got buried. Right. He starts trying to dig. Yeah. Oh. And then because there was a library there. Yeah. Like fuck. <laughs> Pretty soon he realizes that, you know, if I just sit out here, I'm gonna die. So I should probably get moving. Yeah, I, mean, he, I like they, that. He there's has... a great little audio moment where there's just a little, fairly subtle stomach grumble, and you're like, "Yep, I know exactly what's going on." Yep, he hungry, and it's cool. It's another connective tissue. We see him, you know, try to get an egg, and it gets taken. So he resorts <laughs> yeah. to biting the cactus yeah. that Sokka tripped balls on. Yeah, but because of this cactus being sp- you know Spiny spiky and... and pokey, he's not able to actually eat it <laughs> because of this cactus. Being a cactus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and him not having a blade with which to cut it open. Uh, and no, then yeah. he goes to the next spot that our mm-hmm. gang went to, which is the buzzard bee right. hive. And we remember. He smells the. He does not like caves or enclosed earth spaces. So this from is the a cave big of deal. Two lovers. He is hungry, but he smells Willing honey. to do what it takes. Yeah. And then as, almost as soon as he goes in there, he's chased out. And I love this moment of him. He's being chased for a minute. And then he just realizes like, oh, yeah, I'm fucking Appa. Turns around. <laughs> airbends the entire swarm. Yep. Like 15 buzzard bees. Remember in the episode when Aang and them are fighting them? Yeah. Each person had trouble fighting one, one of them. Yeah. And Appa just like airbends 15 of oh, them They would have been it's fine like no with him there, you know? Yep. Would have been fine. Yeah. And they're not even like Aang took one of those down man like yeah i mean he didn't have to but also like they were being attacked by these things like appa incapacitates them you know they all get they all fall down and like curl up and then they slowly like get up and fly away i like that details they're like appa's not yet in a bad appa never in this episode gets to a place where he is trying where he is taking his troubles out on others yeah you're right he's just dealing with his troubles yeah. and sometimes he's in a fight mm-hmm. but he's not like using that fight to get anger out right so we then follow him to this shed he finally finds a shed and oh just the satisfaction of him walking in Sipping some water, water, eating an entire bale of hay, and just it's knocking out. It make it like makes a tear come to my eye. It's so it's reminiscent of when I get home from a walk with my dogs and they run to their water bowls. Yeah, you know, yeah. It's just like he just needs a couple. Oh, he just needs those sips, and he doesn't even drink enough water. Yeah. He just gets those sips he needs because he's really needing that food. You know. Yeah. This and then the next moment is so sad it's to the me one that really and reminds me. To my eye, honestly. Do you know what it reminds me of too? Mm. And not in the tone of it, because the tone is just this fucking sucks. Mm. But a humorous version of this exact scene is in Back to the Future, huh. when the uh, when he first gets to the the fifties and he flies into a farmhouse and a family goes out there and they're like. What's in there? And they think it's like a spaceship. Oh, yeah. And they get all freaked out. I don't know why, yeah. but this room, I feel like it's very similar to that scene, but just not funny. Are you, you talking know? when the people barge in? Yeah. Oh, yo, you're forgetting about a, a big old moment, buddy. Appa dreams. 
and we get this flashback oh, yes. to the first That's time this part. Oh, I thought that was Aang later. Met. You're right. Uh, I, I like the little detail of defining the family that he comes from. Like, there's all these little sky bison flying around one. I In my head canon, I, I put it as the mama. And she has, like, a chipped horn. You know, like, one of her horns is, is chipped off. Mm-hmm. just love that little detail, like, defining the difference between these, these animals. Which also, I mean, it's smart animation, too, because these animals have a very basic design that it's hard to find a whole lot of variation in. So to be able to yeah. tell them apart and stuff and be like, this isn't Appa. He wasn't big. This is baby Appa. And the fact that he, we see this flashback moment of Aang going up and giving him the apple and saying, well, I guess this means we'll, we'll be together always. And then we yeah, flash over his... to Aang having the same dream on the Serpent's Pass. It's just like a moment we didn't see because it wasn't important in the story that we were shown of him having that dream at the same time and just They're connected. saying to himself, always. Ah, uh, makes me, ah, uh, man, I don't know why. You it's know, just for like... a fact, they are both actually having that dream, too. Yeah. They right. are actually, do. you know what I mean? They both it's miss like... each other so much. And this is this also brings me and to. And this is the connection between the Avatar and. Yes. And, and his you know spirit what I mean? guide. And also, like, they literally have not been apart since they met you know like maybe they would spend a little time like doing separate things at the uh you know like in the cave of two lovers or in the cave of two lovers right but for this amount of time overnight even not have has has not happened yeah ang has not been without appa for this long and appa has not interacted with as many humans that he's unfamiliar with without ang ever yeah, wow. You're right. So when he wakes they up went to from, these strange Especially considering people, the fact that we now, knowing Aang's backstory, know that he went from being, like, in the society of monks to yeah. frozen for a hundred years. Right. There wasn't a moment where Aang traveled the world ever. No. Like, he said, like, I used to go to the Earth Kingdom and I used to, like... I had my buddy Kuzan or whatever. Right. But I'm pretty sure that was happening before he was, like with yeah. appa maybe not maybe he know. traveled with appa to these places actually now that i'm saying that i'm kind of curious what appa has seen yeah you know? interesting it could we could get into that but we still got a lot of episodes right. so let's get moving but it makes sense that's that kind of interesting when, to think about yeah it makes sense that when he's awoken by two strange people one of them holding a torch and he's just been traumatized by fire he just dips i love that after he dips there's this gust of wind that puts out the flame. Yeah. Because he doesn't just fly away. Right. He flies away with airbending. Yep. And that, and it's just like this cool shot of like, I always love in any movie or show, a shot of fire being blown out. Yeah. If it's a candle, if it's a flame, just, whoosh, I or just even just like in Hill House, that moment where Luke tries to start a fire and it just doesn't yeah. work. Yeah. Shit like that gets me i love fire i don't know oh yeah fire being put out (laughs) what do you think leads appa to flying over towards the serpent's pass going to bossing say do you think he has enough cognition to know that that's where they were headed to go try and check there because the next scene we see is him flying over the serpent's pass and someone sees him which i want to talk about but uh i i want to touch on this first what do you think i think that it is pure instinct 
which is his connection to Aang, and he doesn't yeah. know that yet. Mm. And I think that something that happens later in the episode right. allows him to fully connect with that instinct. That makes sense. But I think totally. this whole episode, he's already on the path that later he's shown. Yeah. He's just not shown that yet. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's hard for him to know. Like, because he technically, when when you think about it, when he went back to the spot that they went under, he then followed their path. Yeah. Unknowingly, he went right. to the the buzzard thing. Yeah. And then he went to, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. followed their path. That makes sense. Totally. Spiritual connection. What do you think? Uh, Same thing. I, I I honest I posed the question because I didn't really have an answer, and I really like yours actually. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and is confirmed later in the episode. Like they have a spiritual connection. They are their destinies are intertwined. I think. This this moment right here of who sees him is probably the most giving, important character moment outside of the narrative. Like, there's an incredible narrative to this episode, an incredible journey. There's a bunch of cool links, and there's a couple things at the end of the episode that are left that will be picked up upon. But this is one that we could go without and not lose anything from the story. But now that we know that Iroh saw appa fly over and zuko asked what he saw and he does not tell him just that moment of iroh is trying to shape zuko's life and he knows that if he saw appa flying to where they're going his life would then revert to i need to find the avatar because he's here you know yeah this is like one of many, but one of the final we like Iroh moments. Yeah. Yep. You know, I don't know. When it happened in this moment, I was like, it, it felt, I felt something in my heart. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, thank you, Iroh. Yeah. Yep. And I think it's beyond him trying to shape Zuko to be the man he wants him to be. I think it's also him understanding that this isn't something to tamper with. Yes. This is like yeah. destiny. This is beyond them. Mm-hmm. We've seen him see Aang in the spirit world before yeah. and look up and be like, whoa. So we know that Iroh understands things that are beyond most people's understanding. Right. I think this is another one of those moments where he's like, okay, something, something's happening that Holy we shit. can't tamper with. This is the second moment where we see Iroh notice an avatar's spirit animal. <laughs> I don't know. I wow. just think like you're right. Holy shit. Maybe that's a thing too. Like maybe Iroh being so spiritually connected yeah. with the spirit world right. is part of why Appa ended up going on that path. Like he felt yeah. like almost like magnetism. Right. And like flew over that. Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. Totally. That might be looking deep into it, but like I feel like a lot of this show has moments like that. Like even the very first episode. Why did Zuko and Iroh happen to be where they could see the beam of light that Aang? You know what I mean? Yep. Things like that. As the show progresses, they they become less and less of like, how is that even possible? And more and more like destiny. Destiny. You know? Yeah, totally. And not in a dumb way. Not in like a cop out. No, it's just it destiny. doesn't feel that way. It's like yeah. it makes sense. It feels real in the mm-hmm. mythology of this universe. Yes, totally. Because it's not relied on for everything, but it does help explain a lot of things. Exactly. Back to Appa. He arrives at this little alcove, which is clearly like some sort of abandoned mine shaft or like just shelter or something like that. 
and he looks to it for shelter and he's not looking good at this point. He's covered in honey. His hair's all messed up. And, you know, he's had he's eaten a cactus and uh, all of that. And now he gets even further messed up when he gets attacked by a... <laughs> and I did rely on the wiki for the name of this animal. <laughs> the best name in the whole fucking show. It's a porcupine. <laughs> it's so i don't know why i find that so funny it's really it's like anyway a boar it's not a porcupine uh, porcupine. boar because right when you say that you realize immediately wait a second we could just and they did they just combined portmanteau that motherfucker yeah um (laughs) so uh this battle's pretty epic i mean i like it a lot this is down into a tree and knocks it over and then picks it up with his mouth and just whips this boar with a whole ass tree the whole fight too is two animals yeah i mean that's hard to how do you know what to do Mm -hmm. as an animator as like a director like how do you come up with the moves and the idea like right it doesn't feel like two animals fighting like people. Mm-hmm. It feels like two animals fighting. Yeah. And since Appa is of a, like a greater intelligence, mm-hmm. he's able to use some human qualities in his fighting. Yeah, like him totally. using that tree is like an intelligence thing that I right. feel like the bork porcupine would never using tools would never think him. of. You know what I mean? <laughs> you can't say it without laughing. Yeah. I no. Can't. Totally. Totally. And same with him, like this porcupine pretty much just charges him. Yeah. That's like what it's. Well, because it's, it's good got at, spine. You know? there, you, you, and that's tusks. what you call it, right? Yeah. Spines and tusks. It's like, I am a sharp thing. If I want to get rid of something, I throw myself at it. Like that it makes sense. That's its fighting style. And it does mess Appa up. I mean, he whacks him with this tree and the porcupine <laughs> runs away. <laughs> um, but uh, afterwards, we get this. Well, very detailed. Wait, what makes the porcupine actually run away? I really wanted to, to mention yeah. it because I think it's important. Appa grabs him with his hands oh, and throws him. Oh, yeah. So the tree isn't quite enough. That's right. It comes for one more, and Appa learns. Yeah. That he. This is a moment where Appa's intelligence. He like learns the fighting style of this pig. Right. And counteracts it. He yeah. picks him up and throws him because this this. Get- out of here. Hit, getting hit by it obviously isn't going to stop it. Yeah. Hitting it back doesn't stop it. Right. He throws it and we get a wide angle shot of just this dirt trail and like yeah, trees being that's like right. he clearly like fucks this pig up. <laughs> you know we like yeah. talking about fucking up pigs on this show. <laughs> but yeah, he I wrote I even wrote that down. Appa fucks that porcupine up. <laughs> Um, but then this leads us to maybe one of my favorite things on the show. Yeah. I love this interaction. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, Appa, totally done. He's porcupined. Uh, rock bottom. fur matted. He's hungry. He's tired because he probably hasn't been sleeping. heartbreaking montage of him just staying in this alcove. He cannot venture. He's taken enough risks and tried to serve himself and been punished every time pretty much he won't even try to get food or water yeah he's just he's just gonna stay here where he has some form of little alcove of of safety and we cut to these 
this beautiful shot of these of of the Kyoshi warriors traveling through in the morning and collecting food for themselves, collecting berries. And they It feels great that they're back in the Kyoshi traditional yeah. Kyoshi um garb. Totally. Because the last time we saw Suki, she was wearing what she was, you know, like a uniform she was mandated to wear. She did you get know? into her garb to help them through the serpent's past. Yeah, but, but I mean, but, I'm, right, I'm just glad right. that that's now. With, she's yes, not totally. back working in this yeah, thing. That. She's, a, you know what I mean? Yes. I, I like this. And and we even, I'm pretty sure one of these Kyoshi warriors is a new face. Because when she mentions Appa, mm-hmm. it seems like she doesn't recognize Appa. Yeah. But you would think like all of the Kyoshi warriors would. Right. And it almost gives me the idea that they Suki recruit. Suki is re- you know what I mean? and teaching, which is so cool. Yes, totally. Yeah. They see these tufts of hair and, oh, Suki saying, no, it couldn't be. And uh, walking up and finding Appa. And he's so terrified. She lays down the apples and berries for him and says she's coming back. Um, and she goes and tells the rest of the Kyoshi warriors. And it's helpful context that. Uh, she wasn't like withholding this from Aang when they passed, you know, across paths. This is a few days afterwards. Like the Kyoshi warrior says, didn't you just see the Avatar like a few days ago? And uh, she said, uh, yes. <laughs> I I was going to try and sum that up more, but uh, that's basically how that goes. Uh, she brings the rest of them up to try and take care of Appa. He's very apprehensive at first. And it breaks and my... I like how uh, she describes it as like... This is probably the most important mission we'll have. Yeah. Reconnecting right. the Avatar with his spirit animal. Oh, like, yeah. it's a big deal. Like, this really does. It matters more than just... I mean, to me, as, like, an animal lover, the thing that matters oh, most huge. is taking care of this animal. But it's cool that we've got this added, like, context of, like, this is, like, connecting, reconnecting the Avatar with the spirit animal. Yeah. Like, this is... Possibly, as the Kyoshi Warriors, what our destiny is. Right. Yeah, this is monumentally huge. And it breaks my breaks my little heart that what finally allows Appa... I think he sort of recognizes Suki, but his trust has been broken. And what finally relaxes him is when she goes up and she touches his nose. And she says, we're going to find Aang. And he... Oh, just falls and just lets them take care of him and then we cut right over to uh he's all cleaned up tongue sticking out akba is so cute yeah it cuts to him with his tongue out before he licks someone and i get the impression that he's just sitting there with his tongue sticking out you know like that cute little like (laughs) (laughs) just for like yeah just for like a minute and then he licked their face right we have this like another just brief breath of fresh air because that's this whole episode it's a roller coaster something terrible happens mm-hmm. you get a little you know, respite coming. something terrible little respite here's azula and tylee and may this we need a name for this trio. trio yeah i i don't because wanna... they're a trio they are a trio but are they the fire trio the, the, or are they the the uh azula's crew a, a crewla <laughs> I was just going to say Akrula. I was just going to say Akrula, All but right. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know about it. It's a work in progress. Uh, <laughs> temporary name Akrula shows up. Uh, and I love the Kyoshi warriors getting ready for battle. They flip open their fans, and they've got these fan shields. It's so cool. That's so 
fucking cool. <laughs> um, and then Akrula is like, oh, look at these fangirls. It's like, shut up, Azula. Except Tylee is actually like, I kind of like that. <laughs> I, I, I get did, it. I did. Like, they have fans. I did yeah, like that. And then I, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the line, but it always makes me laugh. Like... I'm a guy, so me laughing at this is a thing, but I I don't know how it would feel to be not a guy and watch this episode and <laughs> Ty Lee saying, yeah. you're not prettier than us. That makes I me, just, it made me really mad, actually, I gotta say. Because... It just, like, felt so, the reason I laugh is because it just felt so, like, what why did you write that <laughs> yeah it's not you know? funny like as the character though it's like what we've got two teams of women fighting so at some point one of them's gonna be like mm, you're not prettier than me yeah like, i, I hated it and it was so bad that it made me laugh that, that makes uh, sense I scowled, but it was because in a perfect episode, it's one moment that makes me go, oh, man. Yep. It happens on the show, though. Stain. It happens in all things because it's everything is made by people and people fuck up. Yeah. You know, that's true. But then we we still get some great uh, fighting and some dope uh, chi blocking, some dope. uh, May. Sword fighting up to the tree with darts is pretty dope. Yep, and we haven't really seen the Kyoshi warriors use swords like this before. Yeah, we've seen them use right. their fans and like fists. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see Suki pull a sword and she's like holding her own against Azula for a second. Yeah, and then Appa comes to like help, mm-hmm. and she does the thing that you that they do in movies about animals that always makes me go no just don't do that <laughs> where they like have to scare the animal yeah just go yeah just fucking Appa go seems like he you gets know? it though like there's a he moment does, of recognition he's intelligent where... enough to but it reminds me of those movies where there's like a yeah. dog that they need to run away just and get out like, of here just get the I don't fuck want out of here. here don't you see <laughs> yeah and then they like yeah i hate that it, yeah but it it works like i think to me, she's not trying to scare him with the fire. She's trying to show him here is dangerous. Yeah. So don't be right, here anymore. Right. You know? Yes. And then we get another uh, reminiscent of the Jet Zuko yeah, freeze, freeze frame. frame. Very anime. Freeze Very frame anime. Between, which now that I say that, Jet versus Zuko, Suki versus Azula. Oh. Just dope oh. matchups right there. Dope yeah. matchups. All dope four of those jobs. people could fight interchangeably, and yeah. it would be dope as fuck. Like, dope. imagine Jet versus Azula uh, or Suki. Or Suki. I want to see all yeah. of that. Someone I want to see if animate just avatar character <laughs> fighting fight <now. laughs> fight matches. But in the Jet episode, or you know the the episode where Jet's investigating and finally breaks out trying to fight them, we get the resolution to that fight in the rest of the episode. This does not come back. We don't get a resolution to this. It is just a no, uh, we don't. an open, loose thread. We're left hanging. Yeah. Which is kind of cool, too. You know, just like left with this dope freeze frame. And now what? I don't yeah. know. And then Appa flies over someone else who sees him. And we are seeing this character for the first time. Which makes me go a little bit like, why are they showing us that? But it is just a, a brief moment. And I think it's supposed to be... Who is that? Is that who I think that is? 
I'm actually forgetting what you're talking about. It's a water tribe man on a water tribe boat seeing Appa fly over. Uh, I think it's reminiscent enough of the flashbacks that we've seen that we can recognize this as Sokka and Katara's father. I just love that. It does not need to be in here at all, but the editors noted it as something that needed to stay. In the context of this one, too, it's not like adding a narrative thing about him. It's It's just just showing that these people are all within this very small world. Destiny. He flies back to the Eastern Air Temple, which Aang's from the Southern Air Temple, right? Yep. Yeah, so is this where Appa was born? I think so. Because they I mean, show the bar I'm, that he's like they show like on. that he had a teething bar. Yeah. And when he's with Aang at the point he's with Aang, he eats an apple. So I imagine he's teethed. Right. Maybe? Yeah. Like that's no, that a way sense. we can kind of deduce that. That's a very good point. Yeah, totally. He quickly finds this uh, cross-legged bald man who he gets excited because bald guy makes him think of, you know, his person. And it's this old guru with a long white beard who quickly introduces himself as uh, Guru Patik. He's voiced by Brian George. Very, very successful actor. I couldn't find any particular standout things, but he's has a long resume. And it's interesting, you know, he's uh, th- this like, I was not who you were expecting. And I was not expecting to get tackled by a giant bison. Uh, and Appa... Having gotten very close to someone that he does not know or trust yet, and having his trust broken, he growls. And I love this montage of him. And this guru has this patience yes. because he's got the the mentality so cool. and the spirituality to just sit and remain and wait it out. And he does. Talk about <laughs> introducing a character and within a minute, we know the character. Yep. Totally. Just from this montage, we get it now. We get who this guy is. Mm-hmm. We don't get why he's here yet. But we get, like, what kind of a guy he is. Yeah. That pa- that level of patience is like, okay, and this yet, dude's a fucking dude. I mean, you know? it feels a little bit maybe stereotypical of sorts, like, you know, the guru. But it feels unique enough as well because he's kind of kooky. He's not, like, a master monk. He's just a man who has felt a calling, he describes, who's here yep. and ready to serve how he's needed but he's also yep, like he he basically said i had a vision that i needed to help the avatar right? right yes so like we almost have the idea that the reason why he's got this long beard and just this like single garment or very minimal garments of clothing is that's all he really is worried about mm-hmm. maybe is that he has figured out how to live a life of uh minimally and peacefully While he waits for his destiny. Right. Because Aang's been frozen for a hundred years. Who knows when this guy had that dream? Right. You know? Uh Uh-huh. How long has he been at this temple? A long time. He says it's been a long time. But before he gives that context, uh, at the end of this montage, I love, like, the slow oppa receding, and then suddenly he's just passed out. Um, (laughs) And I love the guru coming up with his hand and just slowly tracing like he like vibes we'll out learn, his chi we'll learn more context about what it is that he's doing later on but he sort of maps out his chi and different spots on his body to sense still very full of love oh but fear has moved in where trust should be oh, oh i love it's that just, line it's just so beautiful and it really is yeah uh, and then when he goes to his head and he says like 
does that thing in yeah. the Princess Bride when <laughs> the guy in the mask knocks out the giant and he says, right. dream of large women. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like this funny, like, yeah. peace. Like, I hope you have a good peaceful dream. Except he peaceful. actually seems to calm his mind. Yes. We see Appa physically relax. Yeah, totally. And it makes me so happy that he's able to do that for him. Give him a night of peaceful sleep. Yeah. You know? Appa wakes up to this food trail leading him up to where the guru is uh, waiting. He's got all these animals around him. He's clearly like Classic. very at one with nature. Um, I I think about consistently, there are moments that I think about from this show in its entirety outside of thinking about the show. Like I said, I think about the speech from the swamp without having prompted thinking about, you know, Avatar. And I think about Appa and this shot and the animation of this shot of Appa with bedhead. I actually think about it very often. <laughs> it's a great shot. Yeah. And Appa shaking his bed head out yeah. is just as great. And like he has like a look and, on his yeah. face even. Somehow they were able to animate such a non-emotional face emotionally. Like he just yeah. has this look of, I just fucking got out of bed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I love Appa has pretty much instantly gained trust of this guy because he let him take his own time and his own process. And he lays down next to him and this guy says he has a message for the avatar. He's been waiting here for a long time for him. And he ties this message, uh, this note to Appa's horn to bring to Aang. And he, you know, helps him find the connection. You have a bond. You have a, uh, a sense of where Aang is. Everything is connected by these invisible strings. And we get the same animation from the swamp about how everything's connected. This this white path connecting certain points. And in the swamp, it was leading through these roots of a tree that are the entirety of the swamp. But even that speech said, like, everything in the whole world is connected in a certain way. It's all this cycle of interconnected uh, parts of a larger whole. And here we're seeing it not following directly roots, but just following the path of connection between these two souls. And that's what he helps Appa connect with. And Appa finds his way all the way back to Ba Sing Se. And uh, as he's flying into the city, we hear a whistle. The same whistle sound. And uh, we know Aang still has the whistle. When he came out of the train in Ba Sing Se, he blew the whistle like right away. But we know Appa wasn't there for that one. We hear this whistle now and then we get the shot of Aang asleep with the whistle next to his head. So we know it's not Which Aang. is multiple things. One, it's like, oh shit, that's not Aang. And two, Aang is sleeping with the whistle yeah. next to him. Yeah. Like, it's almost like his stuffed animal of Appa right. at this point. Because oh. it, it looks kind of like Appa, you yeah. know? Yeah. And then we cut to another whistle that is a different, like, shape. Yep. It's like this intricately designed, you almost wonder if it was recently crafted. Right. And I also like, even if that's not the case, of course there's not just one animal whistle in the whole universe and Aang right. bought it yeah. and it was only two copper pieces. Right. <laughs> right. If two. if something that cheap exists, there are going to be more than one of them, yeah. you know? Yeah. And this shows us that mm -hmm. and it shows us why that's not good. Yep. Appa lands and as soon as he has a moment of distrust in this guy, because it's clear like... Yeah. That he's like, oh, fuck, I, this isn't Aang. And we recognize the figure that comes out from the shadows. It's Long Fang. 
the leader of the Dai Li. And And we don't know explicitly, but I think I'm sure that this is before the scene where he tells Aang, I wouldn't want you to... I heard you're looking for your bison. Mm -hmm. I think it's this is before that. Yes, I think so too. And I, I think you can partially get that from Appa putting his footprint in the patch of sand that's that's here that is found later by Momo after that scene. You know what I mean? So it, it makes yep. sense in our heads that he laid this footprint before that meeting with Long Fang and the gang happened, which happened before Momo finally found the footprint. Um, this animation of Long Fang just flipping this entire like square 360 too. 360 he doesn't just do a 180 so yep. appa like falls he does a full 360 and so appa's the, just gone yep, the floor is replaced it almost freaks gone. me out that he's oh, able to do it that it's terrifying fast. if you think about how much skill that takes oh and my God. what appa went through during it he yeah. got thrown into like something yeah. underground and then we just have this shot of this footprint that will later be found by momo and we fade out and now we're back where we started with so much more context. And a it's fantastic episode centering around a vital character in this show who has not gotten, like, the limelight. Who's been used as that a tool a thing. lot, but addressed as a character, but never really treated like it. And that's the thing. That's what makes this episode one of the best episodes of the show. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter at all in any other show Mm -hmm. but because this show cares about appa just as much as it cares about Sokka, yep we have this episode yep you know what i mean by that like in any other other episode hopefully they find him and when they do maybe there will be a moment flashback in that but like we get a whole episode dedicated to what we've been wanting to know what happened you know yeah it's it's really special it is about a kid moment of the week yeah Yeah. (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) Gotta so get a good moment. I think there are a few funny things. I think one of them, Appa sucking up the cabbages oh, yeah. because of the layers. Oh yeah. But that's less. The layers are less kid. Right. The you know the, the being the cabbage man. I don't know if mm. I would have thought of that as sure. a kid. I really like uh, the sandbender taking out the parasol and opening it up, and the other sandbender just oh. looking at him and being like. What the hell, dude? And he's just I like, think that's I don't know. it. I like it, <laughs> you know. I and the fact that it. no words are said, it's just a purely visual comic bit. You know what that reminds like... me of? What Lego Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yes, I do. How in like Lego Star Wars, there will be just like a moment like that between two characters, yep. but there's like no dialogue. Yes, just totally. Like... like I could see that happening between two, uh, like two sand... droids. Yeah, droid. Two droid. Yes, totally. And that's like, yeah. Yeah, no, I I think that's that's my vote. Is that your vote I'm, too? I'm giving that vote too. That's the kid moment of the week. All right, kid moment Heard of the week it. goes to the it's Sandbenders. Official. Fuck them for stealing Appa, but thank you for being funny for one moment. <laughs> and it was the one that never spoke, and you don't see his face, so that's okay. Yeah, he's being COVID safe. So. Yeah, right. There you go. Cover up. Mask up. Mask up and go out and vote, please. Yeah, by the time you hear this episode, you've got a couple days. Will you have? You've got a couple days. A couple days. Please, please do that. Please get out if you haven't already. If I'm not mistaken, those couple days are when the most people vote yes. too, right? I mean, so, so many people you probably have haven't voted. voted yet. So vote now. Yes, and if you ordered an absentee ballot, I mean, by the time you're hearing this, if you're thinking about mailing it, uh, what are you thinking? Please just go and drop it off in person so that we can, yeah. Get all this expedited very quickly. 
Um, on the subject of that, we are going to be skipping this next Wednesday's episode. Um, it's partially for Gary and my personal scheduling, but also it's going to be the day after the uh, election day, which uh, please don't take only what information we have on election day or the day after or even the day after that or the day after that it's going to take a long time to count these ballots please like everybody be calm and know that we're going to get uh official counts but um that's partially why like this whole next week is going to be a bit of a process uh please stay healthy please like take care of yourself through this and uh do what you need to to if it means don't look at it and you've done your part and voted, don't look at it for a couple days, do that. Like, do whatever you need to do to stay healthy, um, but also active. And um, yes, I uh, I love you all. Thank you for, for listening. And uh, we're going to, whatever happens, we're all going to get through this. And then we will be releasing another episode on Sunday the 8th. Really excited for that episode Lake because, Laogai. if I'm not mistaken, we're going to be having a guest. A guest, yes. Our friend uh, Tim Ross, friend of ours from high school, who we've sort uh, I've sort of reconnected with recently. You could say our friendship with Tim as of late has been with a new lens. Ooh, <laughs> right? I like kind that of. A lot. Like oh, I was friends with yeah. Tim more like. You know, we were we were in the bass section in choir, and that yeah. was our, the extent of our friendship. And now he's going to be a guest on our podcast. Hell yeah, I'm super excited. Speaking he's, of he, podcast, he's got a podcast in in the works as well. But uh, if you can't wait for that one, because I don't know the schedule on that, uh, and you've already caught up on this one and all your other podcasts, check out Legendary for Adventures, Space Vampires. Thank you, Gary. That is our actual play D and D podcast with our friends uh, Dustin and Sam, the DM who does a lot of work. I've been doing. A lot of work on making music that I'm really proud of. If you listen and to this sound all the way through, and sound effects as well, they're please, great. It would mean a lot to me if you'd check it out. Uh, a lot of work goes into it. And uh, tell your friends about that show if you like it. Tell your friends about this show if you've been listening and enjoying. Please follow us on social media. That helps us a lot too. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter especially. We've got like seven followers right now. Um, I don't know how to gain. Fo- how do you gain followers on Twitter? When you follow people, they just don't give a fuck. You know. Yeah, I don't know. On Instagram, you follow someone, they follow yeah, you they back. Follow you back. Yeah, you're right. I, I'm I working like on that. I'm going to interact with some people, and yeah, hopefully we'll, that'll help. We'll figure it out. But all all of those at New Lens Pod, please check out the donation links. There's a link to a bunch for Black Lives Matter movement, and there's also a featured donation link in the description. Please check those out if you have the funds to do so as well. Uh, thanks again to Safina Sago for our cover art looks yeah we're so gonna be dope. thanking you for a little while get used to it sophina oh, yeah. it's dope it's gonna be part and of it looks routine. good on it. things yeah, like on I that halloween town poster yeah, the colors yeah, and yeah, stuff yeah. like all matched up really well and it looked all oh, nice yeah. oh yeah oh yeah it's because we got those 90 vibes 90s vibes that pink yep. and cerulean all right you've heard <laughs> us gab enough uh this yeah, one this we had so much to nice say it's a, it's a good episode uh i hope you enjoyed it thank you again for listening I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been a new lens. Mm-hmm.